Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Why, hello, everybody, and happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Fight Club. Hi. Hi. Woo. Welcome back to Fight Club for Business, everyone. We're the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. And we're a team of self-employed industry experts. And we get to be joined this week by Caleb Winninger. We're so excited to have you on, Caleb. Thank you for joining us. I'm um, really happy to be here. I can't believe it's it's finally the day I'm on Fight Club. Yay. <laughs> it's the day. You're here. So I know you're prepared. You're ready. Um, can you just give the listeners? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all? No. <laughs> Perfect. Even no. better. That's what we like. Yeah. <laughs> so can you just give everyone a brief rundown of yourself and your business and just some background on you? Yeah, for sure. So Caleb Winninger, um, I own an exterior cleaning company in the Metro Detroit area. So uh, we're going on year 22 of business, I believe, which is crazy to me. That's more than half of my life I've been running this business. Um, we uh, we started in 1999, and we cover most of the kind of metro Detroit area. So we deal with all the challenges related to business, doing business outside in the Midwest. So that's always fun. Um, we usually, when we're fully staffed up, somewhere around 20 employees. I think we are planning on 22 this year if we're fully staffed. And uh, we'll be running six trucks out in the field this year. A um, little bit about the business. I've got a leadership team in place, so they manage most of the day-to-day, which has been really awesome for me because it's freed me up to spend some time doing some other stuff that I love, which uh, one of those things is I started coaching through the Conquer program last year. And uh, that has just been so fun. I just love doing that. <laughs> uh, I, it's uh, very fulfilling because... I saw what that process did for me and my business. And then now to have an opportunity to sit on the other side of the table and help other home service business owners kind of navigate through all those challenges and struggles that I went through. That's just a really rewarding experience. So I spend a fair amount of my time doing that uh, these days and doing some other things inside the Conquer program. So all that keeps me pretty busy. Um, And uh, otherwise, I like to what I love about the situation that I've got right now is it gives me a lot of freedom. So I get to spend a lot of time with my wife and my two boys and uh, have a lot of flexibility being able to, you know, travel and go to industry events and just uh, kind of chill out, read books and do stuff like this. So, so things are good. Awesome. awesome. Oh, I love it. Well, we are super excited to have you on and pick your brain on all things business and for those of that are those of you that are joining for the first time and listening for the first time, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a pressure washing company in South Florida, West Palm Beach, with my husband called Pure Power Washing. And my background's in marketing. Um, that's where I found my love of you know this industry and working with small business owners and really helping them understand the analytics behind the marketing and how those numbers can correlate into marketing plans, how to make decisions moving forward um, with different budgets and things of that sort. So super excited to talk marketing with you today, Caleb, and thank you for joining Fight Club. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that with you, Tay. (laughs) And my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also own Likes Accounting Company, a full service accounting firm, where if uh, you're a listener that doesn't like doing your own bookkeeping, you can outsource that to me and my team. And I'm the co-owner of Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters with my husband, Jeff. And I got to know Caleb through a response of it. So excited to see you on Fight Club finally and uh, to chat all things home service business this week. Response of it is the world's most fun home service tribe, I believe. <laughs> it is. Yes. It is. <laughs> we were so- all in San Diego talking about that and people were repping their responsibility socks around the fire pit i mean this is when you know you have a tribe when people mm-hmm. rock the socks i mean love it for sure big- i still have mine from two years ago and they're, they're like my favorite socks still of course of course 
And Caleb, welcome to Fight Club. I'm Michelle, co-owner of Pink Collars, and we put CSRs, office managers, and all-around awesome people in your company doing customer care every single day, and you can outsource that to our business. I am so excited to be with you, Caleb, because you and I are systems siblings. Say that 15 times twice <laughs> as I pass you over to Martha for her introduction. <laughs> Happy to and be here. My name is Martha Woodward, and I am all things about culture. I help people build a happier workplace. And one of the ways to do that is through a software I co-founded called Quality Driven Software, holding accountable and providing transparency. So welcome to Fight Club, Caleb. Thank you so much for having me, Martha. Really appreciate it and all of you. And I'll be done with my blue. My blue hair was for talk about kind of culture and tribe uh, was for the conference last week. So uh, I'm anxious to get rid of my blue hair now. <laughs> I like it. It's fun. I love it. It's I love great. blue hair. <laughs> you should let it ride for a while. I like it. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Let's awesome. kick it off, Tay. Yes, ma'am. You got it. Well, Caleb, I'm going to steal you first. And as we were briefly talking before the show, um, I didn't get to be with the ladies this weekend. I was at a, a scheduling conflict. There we go. Words. Um, and I was actually running a half marathon at Disney. So I was thinking about topics to talk with you about. And I love how much you know about marketing and just your plan towards marketing. And I feel like a common topic that business owners starting out and even business owners that have been in business for about five to six years tend to um, have a misconception about is SEO. And this is a topic that I immediately can correlate to a marathon in a sense, because it's not about that sprint. It's not about, you know, getting first out the gate and getting to that first mile and getting to that second mile. It's really about pacing yourself and having that plan developed to make sure you get all through all those 13 miles of that race. So SEO is so similar to that. It's very much a coordinated effort between you and your marketing team to make sure you have that long-term plan in place. Um, so when you look at your SEO plan for yourself and your business, where did you initially start? Let's kind of go back to the beginning and really look at that initial kind of decision to jump into SEO, and then we'll kind of work from there. Yeah, wow, what a, that's a, such a loaded topic because <laughs> I feel like what was true 10 years ago is just not true anymore when it comes to SEO. I agree. We are such a weird place on the, the timeline of the importance of that and the, the impact of that part of marketing. It's just, for me, it's, it's just a fuzzy topic these days. Um, and how I view it is going to be totally different than somebody maybe who's just entering the business space, right? Like, so my business is a year old, let's say, or two years old. That approach to SEO might be totally different than, than mine because, you know, I, I, have always tried to be kind of on the bleeding edge of whatever's happening in, in all of the phases that you guys talk about and not always successfully, but that's where I want to be. So I was thinking about and looking at SEO, you know, many years ago, probably the day I launched my first website 15 years ago, I was looking at, okay, back then organic traffic was it. That was the only way. Right. And so I, I put a lot of time into it. I tried to learn about it myself. I tried to handle it myself. Um, I outsourced it to different vendors over the, the course of time. But I always found that I didn't know enough to, to really vet their, their activity. And it was really hard to kind of judge if we were getting much of an impact. And I look back on it now and, and I think that I, I kind of entered into that space at a good time because it was still like, the market wasn't as saturated with high quality websites and things like that. So maybe it was a little easier for me to get a foothold and it wasn't as huge of an investment. It was more like boots on the ground stuff way back then. And, and you get some momentum in SEO and it just can kind of carry you a long way. And so I feel like for those of us that have been in business for a long time, maybe we've got a little bit of an advantage in that sense. Whereas somebody who's, you know, maybe only had an online presence for a couple of years, you've got a, a, a tough hill to climb if you want to get to the top of a competitive market, you know, from an SEO standpoint. So I think it's a tough topic to wrap your brain around. And I don't think that there's necessarily a silver bullet to the whole thing. 
So I know you missed like the last 30 seconds of that. I'm but... so sorry. Yeah, I missed the last 30 okay. seconds. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, yeah, so so um, I think that you know my approach these days is it's it's a slice of the pie in terms of how we try to show up in the market. It is. Um, but um, you, I think you have to approach SEO with context. Like what are the right. other things that you're doing to, to complete the pie? And it can't be the biggest slice, I don't believe. Because it's, it's, yeah, the market's just too competitive. It's, well, if you're in a competitive market, it's just too difficult to, to make up that gap quickly and a lot of times when you're coming into business, you know, one year one, year two, year three, you need business, you need clients to keep the wheels going. And you don't have time to wait two years for your organic, you know, Growth website right to make it to page one. Exactly. So. And even even in your area where you guys are, I mean, you're in Michigan and it's now you're also looking at weather differentiations, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have your your winter season, there's times when it's, you know, probably in the negatives and there's no chance of you being able to go out and do cleanings. So during those busy seasons, you not only want that SEO to have the organic coming in, but you do need those, you know, the paid advertisements, the proactive approaches that you're doing in those off seasons to bring in those leads. So I love that you are saying it's a piece of the pie and it is a smaller piece, but it's an essential piece at the same time to make sure you do have that organic growth. And I think that's the exact key that I wanted to touch today. And that's that mm -hmm. point that when you're looking at an SEO plan or you're talking to a marketing company, I want you to look at the full picture. I want you to look at the full pie and say, okay, I have this beautiful apple pie sitting in front of me. Well, this small slice is going to be SEO, but what's the rest of the three fourths of the pie going to equate to? Where are we going to put the rest of that budget to make sure we're really um, complementing the SEO plan? Because it does. It does complement each other, like you're saying, mm -hmm. and allows you to have that lead flow in addition to the organic growth. And it takes time. That's the biggest thing, too, is it takes time. And I don't want people to, when I've worked at marketing companies in the past, that was a big misconception we had to kind of immediately, you know, stomp on and just squash because if you're not looking at an SEO plan and saying, okay, I'm going to invest into this. I'm going to invest my money for three to four years to make sure I see that growth year five, year six, year seven, which you'll still see it in the beginning years, but it won't be what you're thinking it's going to be from the start. And that's to me, as if someone's listening today and someone is thinking about SEO or looking to figure out how organic growth can help them, just know that the budget is a big part of that. And I know Megan loves loves that I talk this kind of way when it comes to SEO, because if you're not planning budget-wise for a year of knowing that, say, $300, $400 of that budget is going to be going into SEO, and there's a chance that that return's going to be a little bit lower in the beginning, then unfortunately, you're looking at it in the complete wrong light. Yeah. I, I kind of look at SEO as sort of like, a mutual fund or maybe an IRA where you're putting money into it and the return is at some distant point in the future. And you oh, just have, you have to embrace that. Whereas, you know, other things like boots on the ground marketing or, you know, sales or, you know, pay-per-click, maybe that's more like you know, getting a good deal on a car and flipping it the next day or something like yes. that. You know, the return is a lot faster. Um, so it's just different approaches to the same end goal. Another thing that I think is really important though, Taya, and I would love to get your opinion on this, is it's not only important to assess you know, what, where SEO fits in the whole scope of marketing right now, but I think you have to look a year, two, three years down the road, the big players on the internet, Google, yes. Bing, Apple, Yelp, Amazon, where do they want traffic to go? And what are their plan? What are their plans for you, essentially, as a home business owner? Because we're playing in their playground. Mm -hmm. So where does organic, where do organic results within the context of home services? Because that's, you know, it's different in different verticals, different industries. But it is. just in home services, where are these big players going to want to steer the traffic a year from now? two years from now, three years from now, is it different than it's going to be than it is right now? And if so, what are we doing to prepare for that and be ready to play 
the game as it changes. So that's what I'm looking at. Absolutely. And it's so we all know it actively changes, right? When you look at your your Facebook markets, your Instagram, your Google, the algorithms that come out constantly from these programs and platforms is on a quarterly, sometimes, you know, monthly, whenever they get these algorithms set in stone, they're ready to launch, they're pushing them out immediately to make sure they're bettering the experience. But the key is they're bettering the experience for the customer. So they're never really taking a look at how the experience is for the homeowner, right? Or for the home service business owner, excuse me. They're looking at the homeowner itself, the people that are going in and doing that searching. That's who their core why and what they're doing is all about is how am I going to keep this homeowner and person happy and keep coming back and using our platform to search for these type of products, individuals, companies. So that's always something I like to keep in mind when I do look at these platforms. And also the, the community feeling is coming back a lot more as well. You see that with the social media platforms. They want the more interaction. They want more um, engagement from the owners themselves in a real context. So not in the before and after photos, which are great. I'm not going to say they're not great. They provide a lot of value, but they also want the before and after pictures with a story behind it as to why this homeowner came to you, why, what was their problem, how did you solve it, and explain that process to us. So the more detail, the more honesty and just authenticity that you can bring and vulnerability that you can bring to the platform as a business owner, I feel is really truly where the future is going. And again, it, it can change in 24 hours. I mean, I can say this today and it can be a totally different direction by Friday. But that's really where I see with what we've seen in the last few years, that authenticity is going to start shining through a lot stronger. And if you're hiding in the shadows and not really wanting to show your most authentic self from your brand and from your company, then you're going to have further problems down the line, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, that's something that I tend to shy away from. I like, I don't like the idea of being the face of my company. It doesn't feel comfortable to me. Um, I can see I, my husband feels the same way. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a very common feeling for mm -hmm. small business owners. Absolutely. But, but I will say that that you can navigate around that. It doesn't have to be you. It has to be somebody. So you need to be intentional about who's going to be the face of your company, but it doesn't have to be you. Um, so that's kind of what I'm working on now. It's like, how do I sort of exit that seat? That part of my business. I agree. I and you, you mentioned something that, that I that I think is really interesting. So these big players, they want to create an environment where there's engagement between the searcher and the the provider. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, the the motive behind all that is is revenue, right? So follow the money. The engagement drives uh, drives more traffic. It, it makes their platform stickier so people stay longer. So I'm looking at it like when it comes to marketing, where am I going to allocate my marketing budget? I'm going to follow their money. What's Google investing in? What's Amazon investing in? Um, what what like tools and features are these platforms building out? Same with Facebook, Yelp. I'm, I'm following their money because that is a leading indicator to me of how they want to funnel consumers into connections with providers. So I completely agree. And, that, and that's, that's a pretty fun exercise to kind of like look down the line and try to predict what, which way this is all going to go. It that's is where my head's at though. I agree and evaluate what, what can be beneficial to us as home service business owners. And I think that's a perfect, perfect point to kind of hand you over to Megan talking finances and looking at the investing and potential options in the future for money and, just where these businesses put their money. So I'll kind of hand you off to Megan and thank you so much, Caleb. I really appreciate taking so much time with me and really diving into the reasonings behind why SEO is important, but also how to look into the future and really make those plans. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was super fun. I have to just interject like real quick on the marketing side. We had Don Stormo at the QDS conference last week and he had the whole audience do their domain authority score. That's not mm -hmm. something I'd ever seen or heard of before. And he had okay. two really good tips that he shared with the audience. So I thought this is a perfect place to like drop some Don Storm. He said, uh, backlinks. So you should have your website domain everywhere. 
Uh, anytime you post on Google My Business, anytime you post on Facebook, anytime you post reply to review, he said, just put your website in there. I thought that was such an easy tip and trick. And I saw several conference goers start implementing that. So that was great. And then he said, respond to every review. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that is creating and curating more of a responsive experience for internet searchers. So I felt like those are two super easy takeaways that I had to drop in there. I Love am not that. a marketer. I hope I'm not stepping your toes today, but I thought it was so very actionable. And Megan, to that point, those are two things that are so incredibly easy to delegate to somebody on your team. This is like a 10 minute training session yeah. and it's done. It's handled forever. And right. uh, so if you have not done that yet, whether you have an in-house assistant or a full marketing team, or you're using a VA or you're using pink callers, they're probably already doing it for you. Um, like that is such a two simple things that you can implement like this afternoon and it's handled forever. So yeah, that's, I, really I really things. smiled when I saw people from the conference, like putting their domain names in their posts. I was like, Oh, I, I see you. I see what you did there. You were <laughs> listening. Um, okay. So I had a list of things I thought I was going to talk to you about. And then you guys went down a couple of rabbit holes where I was like, Ooh, that's a good one. So I'm going to give you a menu to choose from Caleb of our topic around finance today. And you're going to just choose the one that makes your heart sing the most. Um, unfortunately, should I give you three choices to give you five? Uh, <laughs> because you brought up lay, a couple things with pay. Lay, lay it all on me. I'm okay, sure well, something will happen. One, the first one I feel like we could talk a lot more about, but I just have a comment. You, I love this idea of SEO as an investment. I love this idea of like putting in contributions now to make withdrawals later and letting it grow. Um, so we could talk about inflation because mm. I have personally decided to approach inflation with marketing spend, spending today's dollars for future earnings. Um, so I feel like we could have a very interesting conversation about inflation and how we're making business decisions. Um, you mentioned winter. Like I forget, you you live in a place that's very cold. And so I think we're hitting the tail end of winter. So we could talk about saving for winter strategies or maybe some quick cash accumulation strategies for those business owners that are sitting in the very, very cold areas and running out of savings account balances. We could talk mm -hmm. about that. Um, I thought we were going to talk about KPIs because you are like the systems guru of Conquer, and I know you guys have some cool KPI dashboards. And so I thought that could be like a super fun chat. Um, and then I guess I'm going to lump the other two together. You were voted the goat of sales at ResponsaCon. I think you missed getting your award, but there was literally a goat as your award so greatest of all time responsive bid seller responsive bidder and i feel like we don't talk about sales very much although the past two weeks we've definitely talked about sales but we could talk about sales with you because you were one of the first responsive users i knew that was using it with salespeople. um mm -hmm. so recap sales kpis saving for winter or finding cash when winter savings are depleted or inflation mm -hmm. those are your those are your choices um I, let's I can knock out two really quick. So the okay. winter winter like savings slash cash flow slash okay. funding. Um, I feel I like that's timely. Do you think that's timely? Yeah. Like even yeah. in California, I get really nervous this time of year. I'm like, I need that phone to start ringing because mm -hmm. the savings balance is making me a little uneasy. Right, right. So um, a couple a couple of quick tips that have helped us, and I and I'm. Full disclosure, like we don't have this nail. It's a challenge for my business, always has been. It's something that, that you know, I've got a handful of things that I'm just like, I really want to just get fixed and, and sorted out. And this is one of those areas where I'm just not super happy with where we're at. So keep chopping wood on it, right? Um, mm -hmm. One thing that does help is um, I'm sure profit first is the whole methodology has been mentioned many times here. Um, but I think that that is a really helpful strategy in terms of establishing like a war chest for the winner. So we take X percentage out of every single deposit and it goes into an offsite account. And that's like part of the winter war chest. And if we have extra money in there, then that also funds our discretionary bonuses and fun things and stuff like that as well. So that's just a simple thing to implement. You, I believe you should at least be doing that for your taxes automatically and then you know for your profit for sure and then i think you sh the third thing for sure should be 
like a savings account, essentially an emergency fund. So that's been really helpful for us. Pretty easy, easy to implement and easy to stay um, consistent with because that that psychology of you're going to burn up whatever assets you have access to. That's totally true. And uh, so if you just reduce the bucket that you have to work out of, then you're kind of forced to be a little more, a little more savvy, a little more responsible. Right. And so all of that lends that. itself to kind of getting through the, the lean times. And if so, you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds great. I'll wait till spring to start. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that it's easier to start profit first when it's really lean and really light than it is to start when the phone's ringing really healthy and the bank accounts look mm -hmm. good. So um, now is actually a great time if you're sitting on a little bit of spare time and you feel like money's a little tight, you can start profit first at a very like low level. You can start with lower profit percentages. And by the end of the year, when you really need to be accumulating cash for your winter war chest, I like that, except I feel like the word war has a whole new meaning this week. Um, but <laughs> your, your, your winter war chest, then uh, you're going to be at a higher profit percentage by the end of the year. So I love that. I made a note of that. That's in the show notes. Um, so that's one. What's the other one you wanted yeah. to knock out? Um, the other part is um, our perception of, of debt. Um, I think it's really important to make a distinction between personal debt and business debt. And I think home service business owners tend to muddy, muddy that whole concept. They consider them the same thing. And, and I just don't. Debt in your business, if used responsibly, is a tool that gives you leverage that you would not have otherwise. It's what allows you to grow 10x the, the, at, at 10x the pace that you would be able to otherwise if you were cash flowing everything. Um, so I think it's wise for a home service business owner to, to have access to a line of credit. Even if you don't use it, you don't ever have to use it, right? You're not paying any interest on it if you're not using it. If you, if you get the right kind of funding, then you're only paying interest on the funds that you're using currently. It gives you a lot of flexibility and it gives you, I just like that feeling of having that extra safety net in case something goes sideways and I can't cash flow an issue or in case a huge opportunity comes my way and I need to like buy some assets tomorrow, I, I can just go do it and I can execute on, on the opportunity. So I think it's important to, to make a distinction between personal debt and business debt. Personal, personal debt, a lot of times it gets out of hand because we're undisciplined. We live, you know, beyond our means or, or whatever. Business debt, if you use it properly, it's a tool that gives you leverage. And so I, if, if you're listening to this and you've never really thought about it like that, I encourage you to just consider it, you know? And, and again, if you're not comfortable, or just the idea of debt just makes you sick, then fine, stay away with it, from it. But just know that, that, that they're different. They really are. And some of the I most successful companies you know that seem to have it all nailed and, and are perfect and totally dialed in, sometimes they've got to access some credit to, to, you know, to do a couple of the things that I just mentioned or to do other things. So cash flow is so important that um, I want to hoard it. I want access to as much cash as possible, mine and everybody else's. So whether, whether I use it or not is kind of irrelevant. I want to be able to if I need to. So that's kind of how I look at it. That's fascinating. So it's something I don't think we've ever talked about on the show. And I am going to mention it now because we are seeing things change with interest rates. We are seeing things change with lending. We are going to see a dramatic shift in the next year. So I think what Caleb is recommending is, you know, to, to responsibly. Uh, we don't want to be borrowing because we were being inefficient with our cash. Um, I personally love profit first. I feel like I've mentioned it twice in the past five minutes. I'm happy. Uh, I love profit first for tackling debt. So if you have personal debt, you can use your owner's draws. You can use your profit distributions to help tackle that debt. For business debt, having access to appropriate business debt, keeping it separate from your personal debt, having it under your actual EIN, building up a credit reputation for your company. And Often it's as easy as going to the bank and asking for that line of credit. 
but you need to be disciplined to not use it unless you're using it to finance that that unique opportunity, that very time sensitive opportunity that you you wouldn't be able to cash flow otherwise. Um, Caleb had a really good point. You're not using it, you're not spending money on it. Uh, our hundred thousand dollar line of credit at our local bank costs one hundred and fifty dollars a year if we're not using it. Mm. It's a low barrier to entry to have access to that. And it's a good time to to lock it in now because I think that we will see uh, lending tighten up uh, in, over the next year. So uh, that that's a good a good reminder, a good point. And then on his last note, I'm just going to mention inflation again. If you find yourself sitting on cash, our recommendations for the cash reserves have changed as inflation has creeped up. Uh, so we used to say three to six months. Now I'm saying leaner is better in terms of cash in the bank. Um, and looking at smart to really generate future cash. So SEO, uh, marketing, things like that. I think I'm I'm cautiously recommending to home service business owners because I've never seen inflation like this over the course of my career. This is we're we're going into uncharted territory for me um, and many others. So uh, that was awesome. Good job. I mean, I think you hit like. <laughs> many of those things. You did not acknowledge that you are the goat of responsibility, but oh. I feel like I'll just time, greatest of all time, Caleb Vinegar, we're just going to oh, do that. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Listen, I, I have to give all the credit to the people who are actually out there, the road warriors on my team who are out there doing all those bids and closing all those jobs because those those people hustle so hard and they they try to squeeze every drop of um value out of response a bit. And uh, so that that award is really about those people because uh, there's no way I'd be anywhere near that level of activity without those people. So ironically, uh, that is what the award is usually called, but they had to rename it for you. So we got second place to you. This is my little brag. And uh, it's oh. second place to the, um, the biggest hustler runner up. That's what mine says. And yours is supposed to be huge hustler. But you were such your team was such huge hustlers that they had to rename the award for you because they hustled that hard. So um, wow. so cool, great job to you and your team. <laughs> Thanks for talking so, some money with me, and I'm gonna pass you to Miss Michelle for systems. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. Yay, Caleb! I I have watched you in Conquer. We are shared Conquer members, um, and I watch you consistently just add value to the group, add value to the group, add value to the group. Um, you mentioned that becoming a coach was really important to you this past year. How do you see coaching as part of a business system? Because I think a lot of people kind of keep it to themselves, right? It's like, I'm the owner and I'm going to go get my own coaching. I'm seeing a lot of different things emerge, right? Middle management coaching. Uh, we're doing some admin training here pretty soon. So maybe admin coaching. I'm seeing that kind of emerge in the marketplace. Tell me what coaching has had an, imp how it's had an impact on your business and then tell me what it feels like on the other side and how people can see coaching as a system in their business. I know that was a huge question. Oh, yeah, but I love this topic so much. Uh, okay, good. Um, so <clears throat> when, when I first hired a business coach, um, I, I was coaching a couple of people in my team just without knowing it, you know, trying to kind of groom them and help them grow. Um, but I didn't really have any methodology behind it. I didn't, you know, it was more just like, this is what I know. Watch, observe, absorb it, you know, just by being around me. And then I started getting coaching myself and, and I started to see it have a really big impact on my business and just my life in general. And um, I, I started to approach that like, okay, what can I learn from from this dynamic and how can I kind of map that over to the way that I interact with my people. Mm -hmm. And I saw that really start to take effect. <clears throat> and um, I changed co coaches after a while, and it was a whole new um, approach, mm -hmm. new strengths, new, new tactics, new insights. And I learned a lot from that relationship and, and grabbed some kind of some skills and some methods from that and try to inject those into my business. But after a while, I, I came to realize that like so many other facets of our business as owners, we tend to become a bottleneck, whether we want to or not. Yeah. And 
you know, some of solving that is kind of like delegating, letting go of control and things like that. But sometimes it's the flow of knowledge and the flow of information, the flow of wisdom, um, mm -hmm. experience. We are bottlenecks in that sense too. And so I, I kind of got some clarity on that and it was like, okay, so how do I remove myself as a bottleneck in this sense? Well, the easiest way is to bring other people from outside my organization into kind of our sphere of, of activity inside the company and let my people learn from all these other really smart, really experienced, really wise people. A lot of people who have a, a totally different skill set than I do. They're way better at a lot of stuff than I am. Hmm. And so I started looking for opportunities, you know, to, to make this happen. I started taking my people to events. I started um, signing them up for online classes. Conquer has a bunch of stuff for, for employees like customer service training classes. There's a whole new program that just launched called Ascend where you can enroll your middle management people into a, a monthly training and coaching program. That's something that I had a vision like I wanted years ago and I'm so glad mm -hmm. it's, I think there's such a huge need for that because now not only do I get to coach my people, and I get to create coaches in my own business so that they can, you know, in turn kind of spread their knowledge and experience. But I can bring in outside influences now, too. And it just like exponentially increases uh, the opportunity for my team to, to just grow and level up because I'm not the bottleneck anymore. Um, so I feel like that's a huge. Uh, the ROI on that is just untold. I don't even know what it is yet because. Yeah. You know, we're just kind of, we're still on an upward tra trajectory as far as bringing that kind of influence into my company. Yeah, I love that. We're constantly looking for people to at Pink Collars to kind of grab and bring into the ecosphere. We had a meeting with Matt Clark recently on DISC and some other things in our business. So I love that other perspective. Um, and I, I would encourage those out there listening that don't have a coach or haven't seen a coach start looking in your industry. Every industry seems to have these professionals that are really grabbing that industry specifically. Um, and I'm grateful for what Conquer's doing, but I know that there's some great programs out there <clears throat> all over. Um, I know you're also working on a super little secret, maybe project service engine. Can you give us a highlight about that? Maybe tell some people what you might be doing because systems in a business doesn't necessarily mean technology, right? It may mm -hmm. not mean people. It may mean stuff and things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where that is going. But tell us a little bit about that if you don't mind. Yeah. So that's that's not a fully formed idea, which I think they have a lot of not fully formed ideas. Hey, um, I'm the queen of those. Welcome. Right. right. Um, so um, it it sort of piggybacks off of my the, the love I've developed for coaching. I, and I look at coaching as like, it's not as necessarily as tactical as it is kind of mindset and fundamentals, principles of business. That's what we tend to focus on, at least in, in Conquer and, and my approach to it, is I want to I help people develop into CEOs. And, um, but there's a whole other facet of business where we get into the tactics, like how do, how do things happen in, a, in an orderly or an organized way or in an automated way or in a, in a way that produces predictable results okay. or in a way that can be scaled. And I think a lot of um, business owners get stuck on that side of it because yeah. maybe they don't have the knowledge of software or they don't, um, they've never sat down and created a system or mm -hmm. created a training program or uh, created scripts. And they just don't know the tactics behind how to produce that stuff. Yeah. And so I see a lot of opportunity there, um, whether it's kind of automating a, a customer life cycle process or helping people uh, systemize maybe their inventory or their mm -hmm. performance, their, their performance reviews, how those are conducted or their vehicle maintenance. Um, yeah. There are so many awesome tools out there to make this stuff really easy and repeatable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> putting it all together in a neat and tidy package that that's kind of plug and play is hard. It takes a lot yeah. of work. I'm still trying to like learn how to do that just right. So 
And, and I think for a lot of us, it's not worth the time investment to try to figure all that out. Cause that could be a whole career in and of itself. Right. And it we're, <laughs> we're to like run thing as to operate every day. We don't have time or bandwidth to become an expert in this. in you know, some other field. So that's when it makes sense to, you know, bring in a, not a coach, but maybe a consultant, you know, sure. something of that nature where we can sit down and talk tactics. What's your desired outcome? This is the process that we're going to build to make that happen. This is how it works. And, you know, we're going to plug it into your business. And so that really intrigues me, that whole idea. Um, as far as, you know, there's so much to that, right? So as far as like which, which particular aspects of that I would want to get involved in. I'm still kind of fleshing that out, you know? Um, yeah. I feel like, have you ever gone into your bedroom and it's a total, like when you're a kid, a total disaster, it's a total nightmare <laughs> and there's just 900 yes. things. You just sit on the bed paralyzed because you don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah, I get it, I get I'm it. I'm looking at this project that way. Like there are just so many ideas and so many opportunities and so many ways that small businesses could be helped on that, on the tactical side of things, I gotta, I'm, you know, I'm kind of working on like, where do I want to land in that space? Well, when you're ready for beta testers, I know <laughs> I'm one, I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening that would be one that would love your big brain in their business. So anytime you want to jump in, just let us know, cause we're going to be ready. So I hope you um, know what you're signing up for. <laughs> I, I've been begging. I, people pay good money for that. Like that customized experience of having a second set of eyes on your business and your systems. There's so much value Great. there. Uh, we all have blind spots in our own companies. I, I absolutely think you're onto something gold there. And I dropped the you link really to the service engine even because there's still a request to consult. So that, that's, that's it. There is. Yeah, there is. Sorry, Caleb. We like yeah. we told you it was Fight Club. We didn't warn you that we were oh, going to throw something out there into the world. So, um, <laughs> speaking of which, when when we do all these things, it takes awesome people to get it done. And this is a perfect segue to hand you over to Martha, and she'll talk to you about people. Thanks so much, Caleb. I am very excited to talk to Martha because I want to pick her brain. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I. Uh, I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I heard you mention one thing and it's a, it's just a really small piece of culture and people, but I thought, you know, we really never talked about that topic. You mentioned performance reviews and when I'm working with people, it's surprising to me how many businesses don't have performance reviews as part of their process that it happens, you know, and it happens it, uh, in an intentional way. So let's talk about your process. And then I bet my process was different mm -hmm. because it had to hold me accountable. So take it away, Caleb, tell us about how you, why you do performance reviews and how you get those carried out. Yeah. So um, I do want to touch on something you mentioned that that it's kind of surprising how often that gets neglected. Mm -hmm. And I look at that as um, it's sort of like when you get really busy in life, the first thing that you let go of is maybe like your health. You stop working out. You stop eating right. You know, the very things that you need to help you kind of survive whatever's happening. Those are the first things you, you give up or neglect. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens with these really important conversations with your team. You know, you yeah. get super busy, you're overbooked, you know, somebody quits unexpectedly or people call off or you have all these other crises. And the first thing that gets neglected is, is, you know, these seemingly small, but really important interactions with people on your team. And I know that because I'm totally guilty of it in my company. You know, historically we've sucked at this, just full disclosure, like not good, not, th there's a system. Oh, it's, and it looks great. It, it works if you work it, but you got to work it. Right. So um, that's, 
for us, we, we operate on, uh, we use EOS, um, Entrepreneur Operating System. So Traction, if you've ever heard of that book. And so um, one of our quarterly rocks for this, this last quarter was to get that dialed back in and get more consistent with it. Part of that was giving somebody on my team just exclusive ownership of that, that part of our you know, HR and staff department. And so we're really kind of trying to reinvest in getting better and more consistent with that. But I do love the method that EOS um, suggests, which basically revolves around three things. Do they get it? Do they want it? And are they capable of it? And I think that that just covers every base that matters. Do they get it? So that comes down to um, your company needs to have core values and a very clearly defined mission statement. That, and, and that I believe that needs to come from you, the owner. Like So it's got to be a translation of how you operate as a human being into the business space. And the people on your team need to be fully aligned with that. They need to agree with, with all of that, what the mission is and what your core values are. It's got to feel comfortable to them where you've got the wrong people. Jim Collins says in Good to Great that the, one of the things that they found uh, in all of these companies that made these transformative um, changes and, and grew was that they put the right people on the bus and then they put them in the right seats. And that's how you get the right people is they've got to align with your core values and your mission statement. So that's what do they get it is all about. Do they understand those core values do they operate by those core values? Do they understand the overall mission of the company? Next is, do they want it? So it's it's one thing to, to understand all of those things. It's another thing to be just compelled to act on those in, in your day-to-day -day activities. So that, you know, you can look at a person's, if you're sitting down with a person in a performance re review, you can ask that question. Do your actions demonstrate that you want it? Do you want the mission? Do you want to execute on these core values? Is it just something that's intrinsic to who you are? Do you want to go in the direction that the company's going? What are our growth goals? Do you want to come along with us? Do you see yourself there? So get it, want it. Last one, capable of it. The only way you know if they're capable is if you are able to measure them by some clearly defined metric or, or um, achievement or action. And so that's why we try to really tie some measurables to each seat on the org chart, all the way down to the, the new technician that just got hired yesterday. You know, there are specific targets that we want to see you hit because that is what tells us that you're capable of just staying in this seat, that you're in the right seat. And, and as people move up the org chart, those, those targets change, but the, the philosophy doesn't change. And to me, like you put those three things together and that makes for a very um, comprehensive performance review. And it, and it makes your conversations, it gives your clarity or your conversations with your team a lot of clarity. Yeah. So that's what we're working on is a, more, is a deeper implementation of that, that that's method. Awesome. And do you do those yearly? Uh, like is it on their annual so, anniversary? Yeah, we're trying to do them every 90 days because we, we essentially have like a nine month season, nine to 10 months. So quarterly right. doesn't quite work. So we try to do them, you know, after the first 30 days, once we get ramped up fully, and then every 90 days after that through the rest of the, through the rest of the season. One thing I would love to do though is, is implement something, you know, when we do have some downtime to just reconnect with our people, maybe if they're, you know, laid off or taking some time off, you know, I think that's mm -hmm. something I'd like to improve in, in our company is maintaining connections, you know, even right. when there's some downtime, I think that that right. opportunity there. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Um, I did that during tax season. Uh, I would hire these seasonal hires for tax season and it's like a three to four month period. And then we would en actively engage with them for a lunch or a happy hour uh, at regular intervals. And I felt like it made it stickier. Um, mm -hmm. We try, we don't really have seasonal hires at Jeff Lakes anymore because we live in California, but that might be, uh, you're onto something. I was always impressed, like the cost of a meal or the cost mm -hmm. of a night of drinking, like, sorry, but 
we drink a lot in the tax world. Um, but that that would come back like tenfold um, because then these people would want to come back for this very seasonal, very short term position. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with that. I actually have a question for you, Martha. Okay. So um, over the last couple of years, obviously, just really crazy change in culture, society. Have you what 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 kind of impact have you seen um, on just like the workforce, people's people's values, people's mentality? I don't know if you can sum that up into a couple yeah. of sentences, but just what what's your take on all that? Yeah, so I mean I also don't have the magic answer in this super tough hiring environment. Um, but what I can say is that you cannot compete on hourly wage alone. There's just no way. And uh, you'll you'll never win that battle. Um, it, it, you won't win it for the long haul. You know, you might get people that come, but th those are those are turnover people. So to me, the the best employees are not the ones that are looking for just the money. You have to be competitive for sure with your wage, but the best employees are looking for more than that. And they are looking for community. They are looking for that cultural fit and having a purpose. So you have to have a culture that is very engaging, fun. Um, it's community-based. And uh, so there's a lot of ways that you can grow there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a whole huge topic. And, uh, for, you know, you have to, you know, you talked about measurables. You have to, you know, gamifying things is huge with our employees, especially millennials. And I think millennials get a bad name. I, millennials make us better. I, in my opinion, millennials make us better employees. And, you, you know, in the old days, yeah, people came and they stuck. Well, that is just not true today. And if you want to be a superpower employer, then you got to figure out a way to make millennials stick longer. And uh, so, yeah, that's a, a huge topic. Um, I will say along the lines of performance evals for people who are out there that are kind of like I was in that they had the best intentions and I wanted to do performance reviews, but life would get in the way and I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll do it. I, you know, okay, this person's year anniversary came and I'll do it next month. Well, I wasn't very good at sticking to that. And um, one, when I did my first performance review with the staff, I was so surprised that nobody really had ever been through that process. Mm -hmm. And I had come from a culture, a corporate background. And so to me, they were very important. And then when I brought my field staff through those, I was so surprised that they had never been through that process. And two, I was so surprised when um, HR management of this, corporation wasn't requiring me to turn in my performance evals for my division I was like oh I, you know I really let it slide and I felt like it was an important part of reaffirming our core values and having conversations so I had to make myself accountable I always kind of gamify it for me too. So what I did was we did it every six months 
And generally there was a, a raise associated with the performance of vows. So I let my staff know we would do it in January and we would do it in July. Hmm. And so they knew there was money tied to the performance of vows. So if I didn't mention it, they mentioned it. Hey, mm. when are we doing our performance about that? I could not slide under the radar. So that was a very good thing for me. And I purposely did it that way so that if I wasn't holding myself accountable the way I should, they would. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to do several things like that to where, you know, it was very transparent, very uh, community accountability versus mm -hmm. Martha going, yeah, I see that reminder. <laughs> yeah, so. I think that's a huge point. And I've, I read this somewhere and I, I wish I could remember the reference, but um, the, the point was people crave that kind of feedback. Your team needs that from you. Yeah. They want to know where they stand. And if, Absolutely. if that gives them a sense of security. And, and when you're not consistent, with giving that feedback, when you miss those appointments or when you put them off or skip them all together, you're just creating frustration for them. Right. And you're, you're destabilizing the environment that you're working so hard to, to create. And yeah. uh, I thought that was, that was a really eye-opening point for me that I always thought of performance reviews as, oh no, I'm going to get sat down and told what I'm doing wrong, you know? And right. But that's not how, if you have the right people in the right seats on the bus, that's not how they look at it. Yeah. They look at it as an opportunity to grow and to know where they stand. And that gives them a sense of security. And I think that that's really important to remember. The other thing is you were talking, it kind of got me thinking, I love the idea of performance evaluations being a dialogue. Mm. Like I want to get evaluated, right? Mm. So um, one of the things that we, we talk about in our leadership training is leading up and down the chain of command. And everybody, no matter where you're sitting on the org chart, you need to be able to lead up sometimes. And I think the performance reviews are a perfect opportunity to, to create that scenario. So uh, part of what's in our per performance review questionnaire is an opportunity for the employee to to give us feedback or to give their direct report feedback on what they're doing well. Absolutely. What they're not doing well, where, where, where they need more support, um, where we need to keep, you know, double down on something we're currently doing that's working. And I love that creating that environment where mm -hmm. this is a collaboration because we're in a state of continual improvement, all of us together. And uh, so that's, that's part, I think that's part of what your performance review should be. Yes. And I like your point about it needs to be very measurable. Mm -hmm. Make sure that your performance review is very measurable because nothing, you know, people should never be evaluated on something that feels like favoritism, subjectivity. And it, uh, it should be very measurable. You either hit it or you didn't, mm -hmm. you know, so Anyway, you know, we could go on and on about it, but uh, we're running out of time. But thank you so much. And uh, we do homework at the very end of the show. And we'll start with Tay and then work our way through. So, Caleb, if you want to do homework, then assign homework, you can. We tell our listeners to do one thing. You know, so not all five pieces of homework, but get one thing done. And that's how this show is different. So Taylor, take it away. You got it. All right. So just to reiterate what Martha said, please only choose one piece of homework. Um, if you really feel compelled to go for a couple more, go for it. But make sure you finish that first one first. And we do have an accountability group and a private group that you can interact with and be able to talk with us and get assistance with homework if needed. So that we'll go ahead and drop that in the comments as well. And that's always in our link for the podcast. So marketing homework is going to be pretty simple this week. Um, and it's just a mindset shift. Uh, this week, I really want you to take a look at marketing and how it is a whole pie. Like Caleb said, there's not one piece that really doesn't 
go and kind of work on its own. They all really need each other to be able to be cohesive and working together to provide a really great marketing plan for you. Um, and SEO is one of those pieces that we talked about a lot today. And in that piece, it's that mindset shift of investment and really that kind of IRA fund that Caleb had mentioned and how that's going to give back to you in the future. But right now you have to know that that investment is an investment and it's going to pay off in the long run. So we're going to talk a lot about mindset this week. And if you have questions about that, if you you know, just want to talk that mindset out further, feel free to reach out in the group and I'd be happy to jump in on those conversations and discuss with you all. Love it. Um, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about debt this week. I, that's something we've never talked about on the show before. And I love that Kayla brought it up. Uh, we're going to talk about good debt and bad debt, which we did during the show, but your homework is to kind of just get a pulse check of where you are with your debt standings. And I encourage you to make two lists. One is personal debt and one is business debt and be really thoughtful and clear about that. We talk a lot in bookkeeping about keeping <clears throat> personal business separate. And I do feel like with debt, that's something that gets a little bit blurry. It gets a little bit gray because we need access to capital and maybe we don't have it uh, on the business side. And so we dip into the personal side. So homework for finance this week is to make a listing of all of your debt balances and try and separate between business mm. and personal. If you find that you don't have much business debt or any business debt, I do encourage you to have a conversation with your bank to see what your options are for potentially a line of credit that you would only use in case of absolute uh, urgent need of some capital. But I do think that that's a great tool that's not leveraged enough or talked about enough. And so step one, write down what your current debt is, business or personal. Step two, have a conversation with your bank if you don't currently have access to a line of credit. Awesome, Megan. And your systems homework is to go to your local association and find out who your coaches are in your industry. If you're in plumbing, there's influencers in plumbing, HVAC, electrical, soft wash, exterior wash, interior cleaning has a ton of coaches. So look in your specific industry and try to find a coach this week that resonates with you. Um, those association pages will often have their events listed and oftentimes they'll have the coaches be speakers. So that's a good place to start. So stock your industry and see if you can't find a coach for your business this week. I think it's really beneficial as a system for your company. Yeah. Shout out to my friend, Sarah Thompson, who I saw commented, um, uh, owner of PH Clean. She's a new Conquer coach. So proud of her. Um, my homework is to, if you do not have a performance eval, you develop a performance eval. I will drop a, an example in the uh, Fight Club group. And anyway, yeah, you need to be meeting with your teams on a regular basis where you sit down and have structure, but that should not be when they are hearing conversations. And I need to mention that, like the, you can't wait six months to have a conversation that needed to happen months ago. So have to put that in there, but performance evals are important. Do I get to do homework too? You don't have to. You don't but have you to. Well, I, I got a great. You want to? Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's what I want business owners to do. Um, if you if you watch this, I want you to think about yourself as as the bottleneck in your company, but not in terms of um, the stuff that's happening inside the business, but in terms of your people leveling up. So even if you've only got one employee, or maybe it's a virtual assistant doesn't matter. Find somebody in your company and find a way to remove yourself as the bottleneck in that sense. So you don't have to be the only influence in their life in terms of how they learn about business, how, how they grow as a manager or a leader or, or whatever. Try to find a way to, to bring in some sort of outside source beyond you to help them level up. So that could be as simple as an audiobook, or it could go all the way up to some sort of middle management coaching program find some way to grab some resources and expose somebody important in your company to something outside of yourself. And if you want any recommendations on ways to do that, you know, anywhere in that continuum from part-time helper all the way up to, you know, maybe you have a general manager in your company that you want to level up. I'd be happy to give you some, some thoughts on that. 
probably the best way to reach me is just email me, Caleb, C-A-L-E-B at conquernow.com. And I'd be happy to have some conversations with you guys. So that's my homework for this week. That's awesome, Caleb. I love it. Thank you. It's <laughs> fantastic. Okay. And we always end with a quote, but before we end with a quote, I do want to mention, go ahead and mention something really cool that's coming up in 10 days. I mean, we're 10 days out, people. We are headed to Nashville. Everybody on the screen, except for you, Caleb, although we could invite you. I mean, we could have just like <laughs> a ringer come up on stage. You never know. Um, including uh, all the people that you see on the screen here, including Tanya Burke. And we are going to be doing an admin training called the admin rockstar training brought to you by the huge convention. So we're partnering up with those guys and getting some really cool tools for you to uplevel your admin. And as an owner, it's an incredible investment in this person and in your company for the long term. because like we mentioned, these people do kind of cycle through your business sometimes and they do leave eventually. Um, and we wanna make sure that you have all the tools you need to make sure that that seat is fully realized for your business. So make that investment and send them to Nashville. It's not too late. And we have a fully virtual option, um, which I am running myself and I am testing all my technology today. So it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. And we hope to see everybody there. So please look for that. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Megan dropped the link in our, our chat there. And I thought that this quote, Caleb, was perfect for you um, because you really do lead with a kindness and a gentleness. And so it's uh, nothing to prove and everything to improve. Just made me think of you today. Nothing to prove, everything to improve. And it's by somebody named Agent Steven. So we'll post it in the group as well as the Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was awesome to get to know you a little bit better. And everybody have an awesome week out there. Thank you all yeah. for having me. It was, it was a blast. I hope I get to do it again. Good. Okay, sounds good. We'll check back with you soon. Bye, everybody. Go fight. Go fight. With fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.